listening to a production of the Toe Network. This is Laser Knees number 137, The Evil Twin, and also The Bootleg Pirate, I guess. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono, and this is Kikai Sentai Zenkaijar, episode 7, The Dark Prince Has a Short Fuse, and episode 8, Going From World to World, Door to Door. Our writer for both is Komura Junko, our director is Yamaguchi Kyohei. Uh, Yamaguchi Kyohei's body of work doesn't go back as far as some of the previous directors and writers we've talked about. Uh, he got his start on Double's Net movies. Oh. Um, and then he did a couple episodes of Forze and Gaim. And then from Drive to Zio, he directed anywhere to 9 to 14 episodes of those two shows. Um, he did a couple episodes of Zero One, and then his first lead director spot was last year on Kira Major. Oh, yeah. Um, as well as Kira Major's movie. And he was also the director of Heisei Generations Forever. So he is the one I'm crediting for that Ball and Momotaros shot. Yeah, I think that's... I think that's... Oh. Yo, okay, I know that this is our Super Sentai one, but that that bit where Momo is just walking toward... walking into the fleeing crowd, singing his own freaking theme song. Iconic. So good. It... It is so good. Yeah. Oh fuels me forever. Man, Heisei Generations forever, you know? <laughs> That's a good movie. Yamaguchi Kyohei, like, uh, they're good. Very good. Anyway, but that's that's us getting hype about good things when, at the start of the show, as ever, we, we like to do our complaining. Not complaining. That always sounds so, I don't know, mean, frivolous. But we have our problems and nitpicks with the episode, so so let's get started on those. Okay, so I appreciate them trying to go somewhere with Gowan's love of humans and organic life in general. Um, and I think there's kind of an interesting setup for Gowan getting so caught up in that feeling that he protects Stacy from his team. Like, it was cool seeing that happen and then seeing Zuran call him out on protecting the enemy from them, the heroes. Um, but then Yatsude's response of Gowan is trusting the other Kikinoids in his own way, and him just kind of telling Kaito that it's because he thinks organic life is neat, and they're more fragile than Kikinoids, um, it feels like something is still missing from this equation. Like, one, did he not realize Stacy was the villain because he got there late? Like, why is he just being absolved of his mistakes in this situation? He briefly mentions, like, oh, well, I don't mind fighting other Kikinoids. Like, I, I don't, I can hate the other Kikinoids. I can hate the Toji Tendo. I can hate myself. Um, but, like, why, why does, why is he okay with hating himself? Like, why does this attachment run so deep when he's only been in the human world for, like, maybe two months? Yeah, it just... I feel like there is a piece of this puzzle missing as to why he would go so far as to protect a human enemy from his Kikinoid friends. Yeah, it just... Like you said, something is missing here. Like, I think the best way to read it is... He's just got this extreme sense of fair play, or, or, you know, in, in the context of the show, he's got a sense of justice. 
So the sight of these big, strong kikainoids beating up on what looks like a regular human, uh, I can, I can, I can get there. But it just, like you said, there there seems to be a piece missing, and and it seems like we're trying to build to something with him that maybe will. I mean, if not resolved, then we'll discuss it more in depth later, but it's such a cool thing that is enough to drive the conflict of an episode, so having to wait till later sucks. Especially since, given the, the vagaries of Sentai production, later might not happen. <laughs> and it's, it, it is this massive thing at the core of his character, and even we, even when we do get that like if you if you squint and tilt your head, you get half a reason. Like you said, something's missing, and and I get the identification with something not like yourself, and and maybe you get somewhere and suddenly everything makes sense in your life. I don't know. It it seems like that could be kind of a a, a metaphor for a lot of different kinds of life experiences. But at the same time, I don't know. <laughs> like. Mostly, I just keep coming back to I I understand identification with something not like yourself, because like I love my cat, I really do, and sometimes I project my stupid human thoughts and emotions onto my cat as if he were a human, as opposed to a cat who you know, thinks cat things in a cat way and has cat emotions, which isn't like lesser than, it's just other than, and and I don't. There's just. I also don't understand the the leap. And he is just taking it way too far in a bad way that is also deep-rooted, because like you said, why do you hate yourself for being a Kikainoid? Also, that has, you know, again, there are, there are metaphors to take that that could be very cool, but also there's metaphors to take it that could really get kind of ugly, because all I can think is, like, I don't know, I don't know if this is a common experience anymore. When I was a young man, you know, before the 2000s, because I am ancient, uh, you you would occasionally meet other uh, anime and manga nerds who would talk about Japan like a mythical paradise, and they would get weird about it. Like, I want to go there, it's the only place I'll make sense. Like, you don't know what it is. You're just basing it on these cartoons you like. And there's a level where Gowan's doing that, and I just... I don't know. There's there's a lot going on with that dude, and it screams for exploration, and it sucks that we're not taking time to do that. Yeah, it's... Because the, the thing that's confusing to me is, again, he has only been in the human world for, like, two months... <laughs> He's only been here for a little bit, or like six months? I don't remember how long they, they said in the first episode. Less than a year, I anyway. like six months. He, I feel like he hasn't been here long enough to form an attachment that goes beyond, I just think these, these beings are neat, yeah. and I like them, to the point where, I don't know, like, this feels like a thing where, like, he should have been, like, attacked by the Toji Tendo as a child, and some humans took him in and took care of him, or something, I don't know, I just, 
it feels so much like this episode wants to make this an internal conflict for Gallon, but then immediately absolves him of responsibility for his actions of attacking his friends for no real stated reason. Like, they, they the show comes up with a problem, which the, prob the problem is Gowan, Gowan's brain is wired, no pun intended, in such a way that he instinctually wants to protect humans from Kikinoids, and then they act like they gave a solution to this problem, but they don't. Yeah. Gowan's just like, I'm confused by my actions. And Kaito's like, that's okay, I'm confused by my actions sometimes, but we can rely on the others to back us up even when we're confused. And they act like that's the solution to the problem, but that doesn't change how much of a jerk he is to the other Kikinoids, like, on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, no, it really doesn't. And, like, look, you know, I've, I've definitely been in the place, and I think it is it is a fair and cool thing to do to be like, Hey, kids, sometimes you do things that you don't even know why you did them, and you're not happy you did them. That, that happens to people. Like, that is, that's a good thing to talk about, but also you can't stop there. <laughs> Cause... Yeah, like, that part in itself would be fine if this episode didn't start with, like, Zuran knocking over a cup of water and asking Gowan for, like, a towel. And Gowan just refusing to respond to him, and then insulting every Kikinoid in the room. Like, that has nothing to do with the fact that you want to protect humans, that your brain instinctually wants to protect humans. That's the thing you need to give me an answer for, is why he, like, treats other Kikinoids like this. I mean, like, I they never said it, this is just sort of the, the implication. You know the the implication subtext whatever we built up over here which is that he's he's got it in his head again it's it's the it's his version of justice like we're strong they're weak we're sturdy they're fragile so he's he's got the thing where fairly or not he doesn't trust kikinoids to look out for humans and because he sees himself as like the one guy who does think that way everyone else is stupid and or bad because sure they'll protect a human when they're in danger but they won't go out of their way to protect a human from themselves and i don't know man like i think that's a neat that is a neat thing i think that could be a neat character thing like hey i'm in this world of cardboard and i am accepting that it is a world made of cardboard to us cool machine people you guys haven't got you guys clearly haven't got the letter. But that also doesn't explain, like, hatred. That that would be, that's frustration. Like, like you ever, if you've ever been a horrible teenager like me, or really a horrible adult like me, and you've ever been, like, in a, in a packed store, and you're just like, why are you standing in the aisle, in the middle of the aisle, with talking with your friend? That's rude. I hate you. I would never do this. Like, I get that. And are we supposed to take this as, like, a slightly larger version, moral version of that? I just... They didn't make their case for whatever it is they're doing 
is the big thing because like I could spin out examples on this forever but it's just it feels like a subplot that's been rushed to a faux completion to make room for what's coming in the next episode and like look even if I'm fond or even if I'm in a better place well we'll talk about that in a sec but I just I don't love that I don't love rushing this thing with Gaon because I think it's really cool but we're not yeah, getting and there. It just, like, it, I don't think this was a good time for it. Because so much of episode seven is taken up by Stacy's introduction as an antagonist. Yes. And honestly, I think that's a more important thing in this moment. I feel like we need to get Stacy in and get Stacy established. And this moment for Gallon, we could have saved for you know, two or three episodes down the line. It doesn't need to happen right now. So I wish they had just saved it to give it enough room to fully have a resolution. Yeah, or, or not even highlight it and just have his, have his, you know, his attacking his friends be less, like, a less massive thing. And, you know, like, he, he stops them from attacking the Super Sentai, and they're like, hey, these aren't actually humans. Oh, sorry. And then he can save Stacy two or three episodes from now, and we can have a whole episode about it, because yeah, Stacy. I mean, I'm not disagreeing, I'm just, I'm spinning out, sorry. Yeah. Um, okay. So I don't want to be that person about this, but I'm not gonna apologize for having my opinions. Um, I hate socks. <laughs> like his his face actor costume design is pretty cool, but there is not a single other thing I like about this dude. I I hate the singing. I hate the dancing. I hate the transformation device. I like the idea of it being a tambourine in theory, but in practice, it just feels like a big chunk of red plastic to me. I mean, it is, yeah. And just, I find him so frustrating. And, like, this isn't even- I don't even want to be the fun police, because y'all know I like goofy, weird stuff in Super Sentai. Like, Crunchula with the marshmallows was great. I love stuff being weird. But he feels like Super Sentai is being made fun of by his presence. Like, he's just dropping in and screaming, Look how quirky and weird I am! Laugh at me dancing! Like, there is a full 30 seconds watching this guy sing and dance. Even though it tells me nothing about him beyond, I guess maybe he's a pirate? Then he spends another 10 seconds dancing to his henshin jingle, another 10 for the henshin itself, and then another 10 for the roll call. That is a full minute. That is 60 whole seconds of him doing nothing aside from just being smug as a first impression. And then his suit isn't even interesting because it's just Gokai Red with some shoulder pads and now it's gold and I guess there is some edging on between the, the gold and the black parts of the suit. He feels like he wants to be as... As Gokaiger, what Decade was to Zeo. He feels like he wants to be marvelous to, to Zenkaiger 
what Tsukasa was to Zeo, except he doesn't have the benefit of actually being Captain Marvelous, who I already understand and know and love as a character. And, like, you can't, like, you can't fake your way into being Captain Marvelous. Only no, Captain Marvelous. No, he feels like if, if Bosco walked into a room and told a bunch of people who had only ever heard of Marvelous that he was Marvelous. That's what he feels like to me. Like, honestly, that sounds like a great setup for a Gokaiger movie. Honestly, it would be. Because he's just, he's just being Bosco, trying to, to coast on Marvelous's reputation, and making everyone just freaking despise Marvelous. Yeah, see, that sounds hysterical, but this guy doesn't even have the benefit of being Bosco, yeah. who I at least have an emotion about. <laughs> I don't know, it sounds like you got an emotion about this dude, but... But, like, hey, you know, I'm going to disagree with you, and, like, this is... Which is fine. Yeah, exactly. However, I am, I, while I do disagree, I am happy, and indeed eager, to agree upon this point. Uh, that the way they introduce him is, like, if they were trying to introduce Marvelous. Because, like, that, that thing didn't work in Zeo, because if Zeo's not interesting enough... Like... They didn't have that confidence in Zio, the show they were making, to try and make Zio stand on its own. So they they brought in a bunch of common writer decayed stuff and like pardon me. If Zio is not interesting enough on its own without bringing in a beloved character played by an actor who, and this is no shade on Sogo, has a lot more presence and charisma than the purported star of the show and like Again, no shade on Sogo. Very few people have as much charisma and presence as Masahiro Inoue. It's just... It's not an easy thing to do. If you don't have the confidence that your show is good enough that you don't need a character like that, then the show should have been rethought from the ground up before going to air. Like, you shouldn't have put it out if you don't have confidence in it. And the same thing goes with uh, Zox, a.k.a. Two Kaiser here, because even allowing for him being a last-minute curveball, and, and how the introductions for the extra heroes can sometimes be really big on how cool the new guy is and how you should buy their toys. I mean, he, yes, he is a pale imitation of Marvelous. He's also a pale imitation of Captain Marvelous, whose presentation lends a lot from President Hot Wings from Q-Ranger. Because what's the thing he does? He steps on someone else's plot to talk about how great he is. And that is not what you might call a good idea. Cause like, I was yeah. I'm invested in Stacy. I wanna know I wanna know more about his deal. And then this dude does yeah. come in and he 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 throws everything out of whack. And Yeah, and that's the thing that I find so deeply frustrating about Zox's entrance into this show in what I remind everyone is Episode 8. Yes. Now, I, I, I researched this once. On average, our sixth shows up around episode 16, give or take. Again, averaging. Um, the, the only other one that I think has come in modern Super Sentai that has come in this early was... Uh, What's-his-face in Ninja, which is also where I stopped watching that show. <laughs> Um, 
but the thing that's so frustrating here is that we have just introduced Stacy. We are literally, like, in his introduction as a threat. He just got here as this close-to-the-hero's antagonist who is kind of forming this rivalry with Kaito and has this really interesting, complex internal narrative regarding, like, the complications of his parentage. And he is given no room to breathe and make an impact on the dynamics of the show by being this threat that they don't know how to beat before this guy smugs his way in and beats up Stacy and breaks a bunch of his toys like he's nothing. Like, I'm with Stacy on this one. Zox is the buzzkill here. I mean, again, I, I can't argue with you on this because Stacy's still getting introduced himself and, and what we've seen, again really interesting and he just gets steamrollered for the new guy despite only just getting to do his cool stuff and show how much of a threat he can be because like he can summon up an evil sentai and evil sentai robots he's got a great look he's got a cool story his honestly his face actor is doing a lot with a fairly minimal script like he's got a lot of presence and for him to get shooed off the stage like he was the guy at the open mic night who just wouldn't stop talking when it is, in fact, Zox who's the one making all the noise. I mean, again, I'm, I might end up being a Zox apologist, but I'm not going to pretend that doesn't suck. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just so frustrating. And we first see, like, I went and I timed this. I, I noticed. Because I, we first see Zox's face at 20 minutes and 20 seconds. The episode ends at 23 minutes and 5 seconds. I do not want to pass judgment on this character based on just under 3 minutes of screen time, but he sure did waste over a third of that time doing literally nothing. And then use the rest of it to trash a character that is, frankly, way more interesting than he is. Yeah, you know, I want to argue, but... Again, e even as I'm I'm fond of him, mostly because I so know I'm incredibly charmed by the presence of a singing pirate, I can't argue with you there, because I... I... He, he just basically rolls in and says, Hey, what's up? I'm here to derail everything for a while. And it's like, I don't, I don't want him to. I, I, I really I, like what the show's been doing. It's it's a shame because I have loved every single thing in this show up until the moment he walks in. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's real frustrating. But, um, I mean, I feel like that's going to be the, the big problem with, with these episodes. So, um, want to get into the good stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it starts. Because there, there is a bunch of cool stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I, I re we're gonna talk a lot about how good they're doing with Stacy, um, and I do love his kind of entrance into this show. Like he showed up in the trash episode, um, and he's kind of been like in it, kind of appearing. But I, I do really love that his his first kind of entrance as a character who's really gonna talk and start doing things. Is him just sitting and eating takoyaki and being like, yo, it's that weirdo again. Neat. That was pretty good. Like, I know that this was Kamen Rider, but Stacy has a very Elaine vibe. Mm. And 
Takoyaki was such a symbolic thing for Elaine that I kind of wonder if they're trying to signal something. I mean, like, it's hard not to think so, because over, over the course of a lot of, of Sentai and Rider, you do notice that an appreciation for food is one of the major signifiers that someone is human, and, and not merely human, but a person, a, a full person. Because, you know, if you, if you don't have a heart, you can't enjoy food, and he enjoys food. And also, like, it's street food, and, like, someone who can enjoy some tasty fried street food is someone who can't be entirely bad, at least in, in the language of Sentai. Because... Yeah. Like, he, if you like street food, as far as I'm concerned, that means you're a man of the people. And, or, or a woman of the people, or a, a person of, of who is non-binary, or just agender. But you, you are a person of the people. And, uh, you know, I, I can't... I, I will trust that person a lot more than someone who would, like, look at street food and be like, Bleh. It was also just really cute watching Kaito, like, trying to befriend him. And then guess, like, oh, are you famous? Let me guess what famous person you are. And Stacy just, like, leaving <laughs> mid-conversation. Uh, which, honestly, like, I know that apparently uh, some some people on the spectrum are very good at that. I am such a, a sucker of a people pleaser. I can't do that, and that is just such a power move to me. I've always wanted to just be the kind of person who's like, I'm bored now, bye. It just, it would save everyone so much trouble. Not to mention, you know, being one of the great power moves. But I have to say, like, as he's guessing that, that Stacy's someone famous, I mean, he does give off the vibes of someone who is some kind of famous. And I guess, you know, if you're... Yeah, he does. If you're nobility in the Tojitendo, that is some kind of famous, but Earth doesn't seem to be part of their propaganda network yet, so... Anyway, I just, uh, I, I can very much understand looking at that kid and just being like, are you someone famous? You look like someone I should be aware of. Speaking of someone famous, uh, I love that Sue seems to be a recurring guy. Yeah. Like, not only is he Tokusatsu royalty, he's just kind of a fun presence in the show, and giving the cafe some notable regulars kind of makes it seem like a real place. Oh yeah, hard to agree. Because it... It creates that sense of continuity, and between the stuff with Stacy, sort of, you know, he shows up early in one episode, and it just keeps popping up, and now he's a, a real character. And the way the whole team got it introduced before their introduction episode, it just, it gives him a feeling of increased importance, just because we, we know something about him. We know a thing he's been through, and that makes him more of a person. Every time we see him, it's just, oh. It's Susan. Hey, what's up, dude? Also, every time we, in specific scene, it's like, yo, that's Godzilla. You, yeah. There's a reason you call him Susan. Y'all, y'all could stand to call him Sama. I'm just saying, or at least Sensei, because like, I mean, I imagine all the suit actors probably do, because he is OG. Yeah, um, I very much adore that Yatsude has become like the mom of the team. Because uh, there are some very clashing personalities in the room, especially with Gallon, and she's not gonna put up with these kids arguing all the time. Especially since she knows that Gallon is likely the one to start it, and also he will listen to her if she says cut it out. 
he is a cat after all <laughs> <laughs> like not for nothing i i have to say that that while we have complained you know not complaining you know, we've discussed his the the lack of clarity in his motivations a lot of it can be put down to oh he's a cat though why is he starting trouble i don't know he's a cat but it does make me wonder what her son was like when he was young since he grew up into someone who was cool enough to marry A.U. Chiyoko from O's. So, like, Yatsude is used to dealing with some intense people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, if he's anything like Kaito, I'm sure she has seen some things. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Why did you invent a new form of energy? Well, because I want to I help the world. No, I mean, why did you do it? In my oven, I need that. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. I don't know, I just think that'd be fun. You can just accidentally be an Iron Man. Anyway. Um, I also, I love the bit of, you know, like, Stacy has just bailed on this conversation. And now Kaido's gotta go do Sentai stuff that happens to be in that direction. And he kind of runs past Stacy and is like, hey, see you later. And it just flips this hyper-competitive switch in Stacy's brain, where he's like, no, that guy's running? No, I got- now we're racing, I gotta beat him. Which is such a, a fun, silly moment, and it's- I don't know, it makes- it seems like just this little thing so that we remember that not only is Stacy a human, Stacy's also a kid. Like, he is- he is young. And- because that's just such a a, a stuck-up kid move. I love it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's this kind of subtle second personality trait, because from prior to this, we've only kind of seen him be sort of cold and analytical, and he's from the Toji Tendo, but now we see that he is also super competitive, and he's got this need to prove himself, even if the only one he's proving himself to is himself. He's just so incredibly present and doesn't float in and out of the show the way Zamigo did. Because he, he feels like he Zamigo is a very good analog for him looking at Komura's past work. Yeah. And he, like, he's working for the Toji Tendo and he has this tie to them through Barashitara, but he just, he wants to establish himself as his own person. And it's just... So much in this show feels like Komura learning from the places that she has stumbled in the past, and it's kind of one of my favorite things about this show. I mean, it really is, and and especially since we're in a place where we, you know, we're we're getting in real close on every episode, and and that sort of affects the opinion of the whole thing. It's it is fascinating to watch a creator evolve over time like this. I also really like how Stacy uses the same stuff as the Zenkaijers, but his powers function very, very differently. And I mean, I know I mentioned Bosco in relation to Zox, but essentially Stacy's powers function on the same level that Bosco's did in comparison to the Gokaijers. Um, he is where the Gokaijers turned into other Sentai and the Zenkaijers borrow other Sentai's abilities, both Stacy and Bosco force a hero's shade to do their dirty work as opposed to borrowing the power directly. Um, but I think it works just as well for him as it did for Bosco, but in a very different way. Um, 
And I have a lot of thoughts on Bosco, but Bosco, this worked for Bosco because he's just not a dude who will get his own hands dirty unless he really has to or something is very personal. Um, but on the whole, he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna summon these other dudes and let them fight my battles while I go, like, get a cocktail. But the way Stacy uses them, at least in this first episode where he's got gears of his own to mess with, is he just wants to create overwhelming numbers. He doesn't care about the poetics of using heroes for evil, which Bosco kind of did. He kind of took amusement from that. He just knows that he can pop out three to five guys over and over and over, and sooner or later that's going to be too much for any opponent. For him, it's about efficiency and demoralization. And also it was, on a, on a slightly different level, it was very cool seeing each of the Kainoid having to fight the team they're based on. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, that is. And it, it brings a very certain level of nerdy meta-humor to, to the proceedings, that at the same time doesn't feel like it's it's nudging you in the ribs. Like, sure, it's not just a coincidence that Stacy chose those Sentai, but even if you don't know that, oh, okay, that's... Oh, Gowan's fighting the Gow Ranger. Oh, that's fun. You still know that, oh, Dip, look at all these guys who are going to gang up on our heroes. It, which, hey, that's a, that's a good threat. All on its own. So... And that's the kind of callback I appreciate. One that makes prior knowledge something that adds flavor instead of replacing the whole dish, so to speak. I just... Yeah. And on top of that, like you said, I just really like that Stacy's plan is, well, I'm just going to shoot out 15 guys. 15 guys should be enough to take on these five guys. Like, not for nothing, that's a pretty good strategy. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a bad plan, all things considered. But also, Stacy is not afraid to get his hands dirty and fight for himself, and Stacyzer is a really cool design. You are not kidding, dude. Like, he's got that same show of flair that Zenkaiser has, but with these really neat modern twists, and he doesn't exactly feel like a Dark Ranger, but he's got some Dark Ranger elements, and giving him that roll call kind of puts him in this very interesting liminal space between Dark Ranger and, like, normal Sentai villain. Yeah, again, I'm look, I'm gonna call my shot here and say that this dude is going to end up being the common Rider who is made out of Super Sentai parts that I was hoping for in a, in a previous episode. Like, this is, it's probably stupid to call my shot, I've called so many shots at this point. I was half right about the pirate ninja person. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm I'm seeing some of the Matrix code here. Not all of it, but some of it. But also, um, to get a, a very certain kind of nerdy for a sec, I love that on top of Stacy having that cool suit, his name in, in that form is such a clear middle finger to Kaito. Though I say clear, it's actually a very roundabout one, but it was... It was clear to me, because, look, Caesar and Kaiser are the same root word that's merely pronounced differently. The the soft C, Caesar, uh, what is what my high school Latin teacher once referred to as church Latin, uh, as opposed to the original Latin, which was Caesar, uh, which, you know, is is Kaiser. So, you're the Zen, you're the Zenkai Kaiser? 
well, I'm the Caesar of me, which, I mean, that's great. I, that is really good. Because, like, he's not even, like, Togetendo Caesar. No, he's he stay Caesar. And he's going to stay the Caesar. That's That's amazing. And, like, look... I get it. Technically, in the universe, it's Ichirud coming up with the idea, but Stacy's the one doing it, so that means he's the one doing it. Like, sorry, I do make the rules here, in fact. And I do like this kind of introduction of this being alongside this conversation between Ichirud and Barashitara about uh, Ichirude or Ijirud, I'm not really sure. I need to pay more attention to how they pronounce it. It, it does sound um, like, to me like they say Ijirude. I think it's Ijirude, because that's how that's how Japanese pronounces things. Oh, that's true, yeah. Um, but anyway. But, like, that he he wanted to make a Zenkaiser... He wanted to make Zenkaiser, but for the Toji Tendo, and Barashitar's like, huh, well, I'm glad you found some use for all this garbage. <laughs> but, you know, hey... It, it is nice to see that even if he's being a toolbox, he is giving credit where it's due. If the thing is cool enough and it's working at that moment. So, you know, credit where it goes for only that moment, you utter toolbox. <laughs> um, and then having uh, Kaito and Gowan beat the Gow Rangers and the Go Rangers with their own powers was a very cool way to close that loop of having each member of the team have to fight the team they're based on. Because, uh, you know, they they have to fight the team they're based on, and then they use the good version of that power to get rid of the fakes. I love the every time and they having bring... these powers turned against them... Hmm? Oh, sorry, I've just... Every time they bring back the one from Go Ranger, the, the, the weird football pass, I love that so oh, much. Oh, I love that. Like, having doing the two footballs clashing was very funny. Um, but just having these powers turned against them and then reclaiming them for justice kind of all within one episode was handled really well. Because that's a bit of an unwieldy thing, just because Super Sentai is so big. And it's kind of impressive how elegantly it was juggled around when essentially they had to, like, drag out 30 people. It is really impressive, because... There are just so many people on screen at any time. But I do love when Stacy summons the the robots that the Kikainoid Zenkaiger are based on, and Majina is like, "Does anyone see a resemblance?" Because that's that's a cute call out for the kids who may not have immediately picked up on it, um, because they're just too young to know the older Sentai robots. Because, you know, Bokenger was twenty years ago, which is well, like fifteen fifteen years ago. Time is fake. I'm bad at math. Time is fake. Some of these kids, like, aren't 15. If they're, like, 8, they're not gonna... They may not know what Daiboken looks like. Yeah, why would they even know that other Sentai exist, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, Gal Ranger was 20 years ago. That's how fives work. Like, they're not gonna... They might not know Gal Ranger offhand. But they may, like, they may pick up on... Oh, the head is shaped the same as Gowon. And... You know, it's it's a cool way to get parents or older siblings engaging with their younger siblings as they watch. Be like, oh, I watched Gal Ranger when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah, Gal Ranger was cool. That's their robot. Yeah, and just, you know there are some parents or siblings who are just losing their sugar all at the same time. Like, not just, oh, hey, that's this one. 
Instead, it's, oh, dang, that one's my favorite. I love, no one ever gives that guy enough love. I love that robot. Like, you know someone explodes like that, and that becomes like, hey, now this is a thing that, that parent and child or older sibling and younger sibling can do together. And I, I like that kind of occasion. Also, it's just really nice to see that while the Sentai rules do say that if you're being mind-controlled or a fake projection of, of a real Sentai, you cannot win. But while that's true, the robots still put up a really good fight. Because, like, look, teamwork, real teamwork, between real teammates, does carry the day. But we can't have you punking on the older robot that's someone's favorite. Which, again, that's very important in a crossover. You can't, you can't just punk the old guy so that the new guy looks better. That's just, that's not on. Yeah. So, like, yeah, sure, they beat fakes, but, like, it was hard. And that's great. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time. I think I might have, but I want to say it again. Um, that it's very cool that not only do we have two giant robots that can fight at the same time, but the Kikinoid members of the team can also just be big to fight. Because um, it just adds a lot of dynamics to the robot fights that I think is is missing when it's just one robot versus a kaiju. Like, swapping between different actions and different parts of the fight really speeds it up and keeps it interesting in the way that the ground fights do. When you can have multiple people in the kaiju fight. Yeah, and it, it honestly, it changes your mode of engagement, because, like, I, I think we did talk about it before, but it does bear mentioning again because it's still true that instead of having the the level of abstraction or or sort of narrative distance where it's like while this thing does represent their their friendship and their bond as a team it only represents it but in this instance no that is literally them that is actually the the character you like and and they are fighting together against these big against the monster or in this case against the other giant robot and that has a big effect because you don't have that level of remove. When the robot gets hit and the sparks fly, that's that's your dude, uh, Vroom, getting messed up, and that that hits different. It just does. So I love that we finally have a team bazooka again. Yes, it's been so long. <laughs> And it's done in such a way that they literally do not need to worry about the sales of a weird, bulky toy that no one buys. It's just the Geertlinger that the kids probably already have, but big. Like, kids can again take that transformation toy that they already have and put it with their robot toys and make them use it. It adds a new play to a toy they already have. And for kids who might not normally be interested in the roleplay toys, because they prefer the action figures, that new play is a reason for them to get the Geertlinger, so that their action figure figures can use it for the big finisher. Or it gives the kids who are generally more interested in the roleplay toys maybe a reason to buy some of the vinyls so that they can, like, set up the big robot finisher. Instead of splitting the value between roleplay toys and having to produce one that, again, generally doesn't sell that great, which is why we haven't had one in so long, they've added more value to a toy they've already got 
while paying tribute to an old Sentai staple. It's kind of genius. Yeah, it honestly, it really is. And okay, the big thing that sells it for me, and I don't even know if this is on the toy, but they they did it in the in the giant one, and it is the silliest detail to get hung up on, but it's the little feet folding out from the grip. Because a proper Sentai bazooka is usually somehow stabilized, even if it's just stabilized because it's being held by the Sentai. But, like, there's a bit on the ground, so I, I was very happy when the little feet folded out, and now, it, now it's more stable on the ground, even though, like, physics would beg to differ because that's, that's all on the back, and then the front is, is this big, long thing. It would still, you know, physics gravity that's just not how things work but it's it's enough of a detail and one that was probably not even that hard or expensive to engineer into the toy that makes it that much easier for me to get into it because they say oh hey don't worry we thought about it and that's all i need i don't even need it to make sense i just need them to admit oh yeah that would be a problem we got it and yeah because that's what that's what makes it work as their bazooka and not just Gartlinger but big. I also just really adore the production busting out old robot special attack stock footage for these episodes yeah. instead of like I busting out the old robot suits and re-recording it or like trying to remake it somehow. No, just show the kids the footage from the 70s. Yep. There's there's something so charming and otherworldly about the contrast in video quality that, like, I'm not even really sure how to describe it. It's just such a cool feeling having this, like, cutaway to this other robot stock footage that is clearly from, like, the late 70s or early 80s. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's, I know that I use this world word all the time over on Uncommon Cast when we're talking about Common Rider Saber, but it it adds that level of unreality that that actually enhances things. Like it it makes it so these older robots, they exist like they bring with them their time. They bring with them their history. And when they they use their power attacks, the world bends around them. Like, that that might even be overstating it, but it's... More than anything, it's just something in the grain and the fuzz of that old footage that is just unabashedly, unapologetically saying, yes, this is old, and we are so proud of it. And that just... That's just something special. Because, I mean, a lot of the time... Uh, when it comes to revisiting old things here in the States, uh, famously George Lucas, um, there was also a run of, of rebroadcasts of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, where they just go back through and, and quote-unquote fix the special effects, and it's pretty universally reviled when that happens, because it it's not the thing. These guys, they're just like, no, man, why, why would we make a new one? If this works. This is what it is. If you brought those old suits and re-recorded the moves, it wouldn't be the same. It's going to be a different yeah. actor. It's going to look different. There's going to be all these different nuances. It's not the same thing. It's not the real thing, and that would 
honestly take away from Stacy's power. Yeah, and I think, especially in an anniversary show, in a Super Sentai anniversary that is so explicitly celebrating every single Super Sentai to the point where the current Sentai are just, they're all of their suits, they're four of their physical bodies are made to look like previous Sentai stuff, like previous Sentai robots. They're just like, yeah, this is what we're celebrating. Well, and, and like, it's this footage right here. This is how we got here. Yeah, and like Zenkaiger, he's basically the, uh, Zenkaiser, rather. He's basically the, the colors of the airship from Go Ranger. He's just Go Ranger, he's just Go Ranger Red, uh, Aka Ranger, that's his yeah. name. It, he's, just... he's Aka Ranger in Big One. Yeah, yeah. And just, yeah, they're so open and happy about it and they aren't again it's oh my god i just i just i'm sorry i'm sorry to interrupt i just it, had me. like my brain just put a thing together what is it what's up so again he he is aka ranger and big one mm. and everyone else on the team is robots he is the two super sentai that don't have robots which okay i was gonna save this for later this is what makes Stacy such a, like Stacy's design such a cool one, right? Because Stacyzer is, as I'm sure you've get, as I'm sure you know, on top of the Dark Ranger and bad guy stuff, he's also a heavy, heavily mechanized take on Battle Japan from Battle Fever J, right? Mm-hmm. But Battle Fever J was for a long time by Toei considered to be the first actual Super Sentai because it was the first one that had a giant robot. So giant robots are a massive part of, of the identities of the Super Sentai and Zenkaiger and even Stacezer. Because, yeah, the, the it's also kind of why one imagines uh, Battle, you know, the Stacezer is Battle Fever J, but he has all these, these mechanized things and his secondary ability to summon Sentai robots, as opposed to uh, our heroes, who just, you know, they have powers of the whole Sentai. And anyway, it's just, it's neat. I, I love- It is, it's very, very, very cool. I love the levels of just clever nerding that they do. Yeah, there, there is so much clever design work in this show, which again, I, I don't want to harp on this. It's just, it brings me back to how boring the two Kaiser suitus. I look I um, I, I, I think the thing that is most boring for me, like again, I, I'm even saying this as the partisan on the show. I wish they would have put some paint details on the the goodness, I forget what what do you call the, the steering wheel on the boat? He, on his big tambourine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, chunk of red plastic. It, but it's just like if they would have put some just Gokai red but gold. <laughs> I mean, look, in fairness, though, I mean, the Gokaiger suit's real good. Yeah, but it's, like, I love the Gokaiger suits. Please, no one interpret that as me saying the Gokaiger suits are boring, because they're not. They're great suits, but it's, man, you didn't innovate that suit at all to say anything the way that they did for... For the Gokaiger suits. Zenkaiser and the rest of, of the team. And it's it's just... Man, buddy, you could y'all y'all run out of time on that one? 
Because you might have. It's only episode eight. You didn't give yourselves a lot of time to figure this out. Yeah, no, they, they did not. Um, but I do... Coming, coming back to stuff I love, because I, I don't want to harp on that. I just don't. Um, I love Stacy completely overloading his gun by summoning, like, every single Sentai robot. That's so good. Because Komura really kind of thought ahead to and got ahead of all those, like, gotcha folks. Asking, like, well, if he can summon four at once, why can't he summon ten? Why can't he summon forty? It's like, well, he did. And he could only hold them out there for, like, 35 seconds. Because the gun isn't- doesn't have enough power for that. That's the reason! Leave me alone. <laughs> and also, like, I, I enjoy that it- it's a way that they're highlighting that Stacy is just this competitive little so-and-so. And- it was cool that it got the better of him for a second. Because, like you said, his strategy is just overwhelming force. And he's legit surprised that you have to be judicious with your force, otherwise you get nothing. And I don't know, I just, I thought that was fun. Like, it, it gives him great power, but not infinite power. And that, yeah. that sort of play is, is useful in this sort of thing, especially if he's going to get a face turn eventually. Yeah, it's it's very clever. Uh, Barashitara having like nine hundred wives is very weird and creepy, but I guess maybe if they're consecutive, that's kind of funny and like gives us a sense of the ridiculously long lifespan of Kikainoids. That is a big old if, though. <laughs> Cause yeah, cause I mean, at, at bare minimum, it at least provides some interesting stuff for Stacey's. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, provide some interesting stuff for Stacey's kind of inner narrative, because Barashitara ca apparently can't even remember which one it is, where Stacey knows the exact number. Yeah. <laughs> which, wow, that's, um, that's intense. And I, I confess, though, like, after the, the grodiness of Barashitara's whole talk, you know, once, once that was done washing over me, I did realize just how much I want us to meet Stacey's mom. And not merely because... I like more moms in Sentai. Like, I think that's just a thing we're, we on this show are all about. And and I think his quest for his mom would make some really, and a really interesting counterpoint to Kaito doing the same. But the other, much more deeply stupid reason is that I want to know if Stacy's mom has got it going on. That's all I want, and I've been waiting for not very long. I'm very sorry. <laughs> That silence is exactly the reaction that deserved. <laughs> oh no, I am cracking up. I don't. I maybe my mic isn't picking okay, it up. Okay, it didn't. I just I didn't hear anything. Else. I okay. No, I it is, it is in the recording. Oh good. Uh, I am old enough to get that joke. Yeah. Um, uh, I hope most of our audience is too. Otherwise, we're broadcasting <laughs> to children. I don't wanna. Actually, I should. You know, we should be so lucky to have a young audience. <laughs> Yeah, um, but, you know, the, the, the potential longevity of, of Kikainoids that that made me think of reminded me of Balancing Q-Ranger, where he was born around the time that Tsurugi was originally fighting Don Armage, but for everyone else it was this, like, ancient history, like, hundreds of years ago. And I wish Q-Ranger had done more with that idea, because if there was someone from his planet in Surugi's army, 
like that dude could still be Balance's family could theoretically have known them. Yeah. Oh right, yeah, he couldn't be alive. And I yeah, everyone died. Yeah, because he was he was very young. But I, like, I wish that there had been a bit of Saruhi like talking about his his army and like the people from that had the Qutamas that the teen had prior, and and who they were. And, you know, he kind of brings up the, the, whoever had Libra, and Balance was like, that guy? That guy who owes my dad 40 bucks? <laughs> oh. Like, that just, that would have been really funny. That explains where that guy went. What do you mean? Oh, he was gonna, he was gonna yell at me, because I, he caught me stealing something from his lawn, but then he got a call and he had to run, I, then he just never came back. But you know that stuff like that is half the problem with Q Ranger, honestly. So many good ideas, and they just did not have time to do anything with them. Like I'm still mad yeah. they didn't have time to give everyone a cool upgrade suit based on their home constellation. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm still mad that we never saw Echidna again. But that's just me, and that's the thing I'm gonna—that's the hill I'm gonna die on. I mean, look, Echidna's pretty great. I mean, you know, if you're gonna die on a hill, it's not a bad one. It's like it's not like I even expected them to. I'm just gonna die mad that they didn't. Yeah, that's fair. Honestly, I'm pretty sure if if there was any way we could tell them about how mad you are about that, someone on the writing staff would be like, "Thank you." I kept telling them. <laughs> it's look. I even gave them an easy out about how hard it is to film because you know one actor playing two characters, but then they did it with Waz for, like, three months. So, they lost their excuse. Uh, you know, it's the, it's the same thing of how, even though I think we're, we're enjoying ourselves on Ryder, um, everyone on Ryder is a coward until we have another non-binary character. Sorry. Yep. Or... Or at least, at least a woman in a suit. Yeah, woman in... I mean, I mean, we have, we have, uh... Reka, but she's a villain. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't count. Give May a sword. Yeah. I mean, it, like, it, it counts, but you know, give May a sword. Yeah. Give May a sword. Until we have another core three lady rider. They're cowards. Cowards. Yeah. And, um, and, I mean, anyway. the problem for them is going to be if they ever get up the courage to just have a lady be the main rider or an agender person, non-binary person be the... or trans person if they ever let any of them be the main rider it's just gonna be oh you have a cis dude as your main rider are they gonna are they gonna like romantically pursue a dude no cowards anyway anyway um this episode had me questioning how much Barashitara actually cares about stacy because in seven when he was talking to ijirude ijirude about Stay Caesar, he seemed like he had an attitude of like, huh, cool use for my garbage. <laughs> but then when talking to Gege in this episode, well, you know, and then in this episode when he's talking to Gege, he kind of denies caring about Stacy and is just like, I just want to see a cool fight. But when he's actually around Stacy, he seems to want to engage in his son's life and be part of his first battle and proud that he's out there fighting. And being, like, the dad who came to see his kid's baseball game. And 
more than anything, I'm just curious about the difference in how Barashitara and Stacy see their relationship. Because Stacy wants nothing to do with him. He hates him for some undefined mistreatment of his mother that I honestly do not want defined. Please and thank no, that, you. Yeah, that's fair. It just, I don't want to know what he did to her. Yeah, I look, don't. It's 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 clearly enough that Stacy seems very angry that he did it, and she probably ain't coming back. So. We can, we can yeah, leave it there. Yeah, and it's just... Stacy wants to define himself completely separate from his father and the Toji Tendo. But Barashitara has this kind of back and forth between Haha, that's my boy, I'm gonna help and make sure he doesn't die, what a cute kid. And I thought this kid was worthless, let's see how he can use him. And I want to know what's going on here. Like, I want that drama... <laughs> That sounds so interesting. Yeah, it really does. And it, like, on top of, of I, I imagine he's probably had a fair few kids try to, I don't know, kill him. Because <laughs> he seems like the guy, kind of guy who would ins inspire patricide. I don't know about you. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So, like, him, him. I think there's probably a part of him that's like, oh, hey, this, this one isn't trying to kill me. All right, he's smart. But also he's ambitious. Interesting. I don't know, it just it reminds me of a talk I was having with a friend about how if we could just cut toxic masculinity, just like destroy it totally, so many of our problems would be solved, just in stories and honestly as a species. Cause like if Barashitara could just tell everyone how he feels about his son, preferably that he's proud of him or at least views him as a viable path to improving his own standing in the eyes of the Empire. Like, I feel like maybe things wouldn't be fixed, but at least he wouldn't have to keep hiding things, and he wouldn't keep giving his son reasons to, I don't know, murder him. <laughs> but then again, between having 900 wives, and again, even with a long lifespan, I'm imagining this is much more of a, of a, oh hey, it turns out we're polyamorous. I wasn't consulted in that. Yeah, well, we are now. Like, I'm guessing it's one of those things. But again, with Stacy's reaction to him, I'm, I'm guessing he's just the worst as far as as just being a toxic dude. And honestly, like, being the worst toxic dude is in Sentai. That's a pretty stiff competition. But this dude is just—he's really high up there from the go. And I have to give him—I have to give him that much. It's. It is impressive to get to that high a level of just crap dad in Super Sentai that fast. Especially yeah. especially since, like, look, I love GoGo5. It's, you know, it's a whole family of emergency workers. They become a Super Sentai. It's great. Their dad sucks. <laughs> Their dad is the worst <laughs> dude. They keep trying to play him up as a comic figure, and it's like... Oh, no. Like, it's fun. Like, I do enjoy it. I love the crap dad, because he's just, he is so garbage. But at the same time, it's, you abandoned your family for like 15 years to build all of this cool Super Sentai technology. But like, that means you weren't there for most of their lives, and you weren't there for your wife when she died. Like, you suck, dude. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, look, I've I have got my criticisms of the Maji Ranger dad. Oh, you mean the one who like spends the first 
uh, what, like, third, two-thirds of the show trying to murder his children? I mean, in his defense, he is brainwashed there. That's true. But he sure does spend a lot of the, like, part of the show after he's broken out of the brainwashing just trying to go back to hell? Yeah. Like, in the middle of his daughter's wedding? I'm like, buddy, maybe chill out for, like, ten minutes. Although I have to say, it is nice that this garbage dad is actually on the bad guy's side where a garbage dad belongs. That's true. That is a refreshing change of pace. It's It's really nice that it's not, here's a garbage dad, isn't he funny? <laughs> oh, but, you know, he sacrificed for the greater good. Nah, I think he just sucks. <laughs> anyway, I really uh, hope so Stacy love... gets to kill him. <laughs> Yeah, I really do. Uh, so I kind of love the doors just sending everyone in the city random places. Like, that's way more of a scary power than it seems. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not physically harmful on its face, but one, what if you walk out of a door and are suddenly, like, in the ocean? Or something? I don't know. Or in traffic? Like, what if the door you come out of is a car door and you're on a highway? That's frightening. Um, but also, even, even without that, it's, it's still really disorienting and distressing, and after, like, three or four of those, I'd be like, you know what, I'm done for the day, I am just gonna sit here for a while in, like, the back room of the supermarket I've appeared in, apparently. Yeah, the, su the back room of the supermarket, uh, in, like, New Delhi. <laughs> I don't know where I am, I'm just, you know what, someone come get me. But like, like you said, it that's a really fair reaction because honestly, I'm watching that and I'm just, I'm finding it just so existentially terrible. Like just the concept of doors no longer connecting to the other side of the same door. And like any sort of thing you, you pass through, like a window having the same property, that is... That is a bonkers level of power, and thank goodness it is only used by an early game monster, because that kind of capricious rearranging of reality could get real apocalyptic real quick. Yeah. Because, like, it's, it is messing with the relations in space. Like, no. <laughs> no. And not to mention, it seemed like the more doors you went through, the further away from the first one you got. Yeah! And that was just like, mm, no, don't like that. How, yeah, how that was really scary. Cause, like, what if, what if after three or four of those, I was in, like, you, I don't you know exit the the International S Space Station. Not even that. Just like, if, if I were to end up like in Brazil or Australia or Egypt, I'd be like, one, I don't know where I am because I do not recognize anything about my immediate surroundings, and two, how can I possibly get home Yeah. from this situation? Yeah, because there's, there's no way to do that, because, I mean, I'm sure there's probably a worldwide thing of, oh, hey, a lot of people are displaced by the fact that reality stopped working for a hot minute. Honestly, you stop and think about it, living in a Sentai universe is just, it's a nightmare, man. It is truly terrifying like even um, like the thought of living in the one from Gokaiger where it has all happened mm -mm, no 
don't like that. I do kind of adore Zuran walking in on this guy getting caught cheating by his two girlfriends, and it's just like, mm, oh, okay, bye. <laughs> I don't care where this door leads me, as long as it's away from here. That was so good. Frankly, I hope those two girls become friends and go on to lead their best lives. They are both too good for him. Oh, clearly. Clear. Though, like... Okay, I'm not making excuses for him. I will say, though, I, I'm happy to see that he's he's got an open mind, because, hey, human lady, kikinoid lady. That's... I'm glad to see that, that he's not racist. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you don't actually get credit for that when you're cheating, but it's like, hey, it's... I, I like that, that we are saying explicitly in the show, yeah, humans and kikinoids... Uh, can get together, and that mostly is just, like, I want to see some people get married to a robot, and I know that that's happening later, but, duh. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, the, I do really love Vroom being just, like, walking into, walking out of a supermarket and being like, how did I get here? I'm gonna go back inside and ask for directions, and immediately, like, being in like a taekwondo dojo and the dude being like you want to learn taekwondo and he'd be like oh no i really do but i'm kind of in the middle of something seriously i will try to find you again later i love that dude i was so afraid that his deal would be like frustrating and and he'd be just this really kind of stick in the mud dude but he's just so super charming i hope he gets another focus episode soon you know, once we're done tweaking all the gold. Yeah. Um, I, I do really love Majine, like, walking in with a bride. That was very good. Um, especially when the bride, like, shoves the bouquet at her out of surprise to, like, defend, de air quotes, defend herself. She, she's just confused. This is a stranger. Um, and Majine is like, oh, yeah, this means I get married next. Yep. Yes. Get it, girl. And look, all, all I want to say to the the bride lady though is I don't I don't know anything about the groom, but I feel like we can safely say that unless she really hates messes, uh, Magine would have been a step up. She's True. she's a literal wizard. <laughs> like I don't. Know. Though my f my favorite bit was Yasude being like, okay, I'm gonna go sweep outside, and ending up in a movie theater and just being like, you know what? I do deserve a break. And then just settles in to watch a movie. Like, really excited to just chill out and watch a movie. Hey, fate Like, is not decreed. only does one, she absolutely deserve it. Mm. I'm glad they didn't do anything, like, mean to her. Like, they just let her demonstrate that this is happening to not just the Zenkaijers, but everyone. And then just gave her a little treat. Instead of making this poor woman confused and distressed. Yeah. And just like here, you you get to go somewhere nice, and just take the day off. Yeah. And honestly, I just I want to say, she has amazing comic timing. Like Ikue Sakikabara really is just she's so good. Being able to sell that moment in a way that felt that funny, like it's a you know it's a funny moment. But if she played it wrong, it just it wouldn't have hit quite as well. But her just like, hmm, well, just taking the day off. Yeah, it was great. So seeing Gege just like sitting on the floor and having Barashitara walk up to him was kind of wild. Because like, obviously he's huge. 
because we see him with Vokawas, but seeing him right next to someone human size, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, he's he big. Yeah, like I, it, it, I was. I'm glad it's not just me feeling that way because it blew my mind a little. But it's just such a clever little thing, because you don't think about how big he is. There's distance, and it just it honestly just made him that much scarier to me. Which is saying something, because he's, you know, he's a cute little robot bird. But he's also, like, an eight-foot-tall cute robot bird. Hmm, that's dangerous. Yeah, but also, I was like, what is he doing? Because he said he was just gonna, like, watch Stacy fight. But he didn't bring the screen up until Barashitara walked up, and it looked way more like he was messing with the thing that traps the different worlds in the gears. I mean, look. Like, what were you up to, buddy? If if Gege does a star scream on Bokawas, I will love that evil little bird even more. Cause like, what's Bokawas gonna do? Is he gonna hit the adorable bird? I surely not. His power of slamming things so hard that they fly off the ground. Guess what? That's not gonna work on a bird. He's already flying. Wait, is that why Bokawas doesn't have eyes? Did Gege already peck them out? Oh, maybe. I don't know, man, because I'm pretty sure he's a raven. I feel like that's the bird he is. He's got that big, gnarly beak. I don't know, man. I just... Look, I'm just saying if Gege pulls a star scream, I just... I will want to high-five that little bird. Emperor uh, Gege. So it really... has a good ring to it. Yeah. Give me it. Give me Emperor Gege. Uh, so I really like this setup between Kaito and Stacy. Where, like, Kaito believes unconditionally in his parents and their love for him and wants to find them. And Stacy has this really kind of busted up family that he wants to distance himself from to become his own person. And neither of them are wrong about that. Both of them have these very valid interpretations of their family and how it's affected them and how they want to relate to it. And... Like, yeah, Kaito and Stacy are fighting, because circumstances have placed them on different sides of a conflict, but they're not fighting over who is interpreting the idea of family correctly, and I think that's good, and it does actually make me hope that Stacy does get a redemption arc so that he can find a new family in Kaito and Yatsude, because both found family and blood family can be valid depending on what's right for you. Yeah. And it's, it's important to get that out. And I just... I don't know, stuff like that is why I really hone in on the power of food in at least the Toei Tokusatsu semiotic lexicon. Because the kid, he likes, he likes food. That means he's going to have himself a face turn and throw down against his father's evil empire and become the common rider of this Super Sentai show and be the extra hero we can all be uncomplicatedly excited for. At least that's really what I'm hoping. Because I, yeah. I very much want to see... I like... I also like a found family. It's just... It, like, I personally am very bad at family. I, so I, I like seeing... I like seeing people talk about how different versions of it can be good. It's... I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. And it's... Like, I kind of have this, this very complicated thing where I am in very good relationship with one part of my family. And not so great a relationship with another part of my family so both blood family and found family are very important to me mm. um so it's, it's just kind of nice seeing both 
and having neither treated necessarily as wrong because I don't think anyone would look at Stacy and be like oh, no you're you're you should be looking at your family situation differently it's like no you're a villain and you're maybe doing some messed up things but it's because of trauma yeah and because and the reason you have that trauma is because of your very bad dad yeah look Again, I'm not really in favor of murder, but if Stacy want to kill his dad, I'm going to call that uh, just a net good for Stacy and the universe. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's rare that that sort of thing can happen, so, you know, do what you gotta do, Stacy. Um, I also really love that the solution to the door problem was, you know what? Let's just get real big and walk home. <laughs> Like, one, that's kind of what I kept asking myself why they weren't doing, so I'm glad that that was the joke. Um, and two, it's just, it's very funny, and it's a fun way to take advantage of the fact that they can get big. Plus, the giant roll call on that Bokenger bridge was very cool. It really was. I loved that. <laughs> just the tiny Kato yeah, and just them doing their poses. So good. Like, I really appreciate how much this show is willing to play with that kind of stuff. It it really reminds me of the fact that Komura got her start on Goanger. Mm -hmm. She's got that real weird sense of humor and knows how to make it work. Also, like, the bit of room flailing around on in the ocean off the coast of Australia and then realizing that being giant meant the water only comes up to his knees and he just kind of, like, gets up and is like, I'm just gonna leave. Oh, oh. It was very funny. Good A-plus joke, you did it. Yeah, that was so good. Again, when this show's t comic timing is on, it is on. And thankfully, like, I've never seen it really be off. It's just... You know, sometimes they're not trying to be funny, and that's fine. But when they go to be funny, they, they make it work. Although I have to say, I just realized a thing that is going to make me sad about Zox. Unless we get this in a flashback. We don't see him get his his weapon for the first time and just fire it and just kill a Tojutendo Mook. Yeah. I'm not saying that would... That would fix everything, but I'm, I, I do think that would help. But now that we are at the end of our, our coverage of the episode, we are getting to, to Zox, and I'm just going to take a second to be contrary and be a little excited for our most extra of extra heroes, Zox Gold Tweaker. A name that I still cannot believe is the thing they went with. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, like, it's not even the thing where it's like, did you not ask someone from an English-speaking country? It's just like, what a weird name. Zox Gold Tweaker. Where does that come? Anyway. But even as I absolutely agree that this was neither the time nor the place to introduce him, and that having him clown on Stacy for moment one is a bad look, and I'm not even going to get into how much I enjoy a member of a Sentai who has a literal song and dance, though to be clear... I do think it owns Bones, and if they want to do a full-on musical episode that is the Pirates of Sentai's Ants, I, I just want it on record that I'm here for it. Um, but for me, it comes down to the fact that he is, in some way, tied to Kaito's parents, so he can be additive to Kaito's story, because he has some of those gold Sentai gears. He looks at the Tojutendo gears from Stacy, asks what these stupid things are, and throws them aside. Yes, 
that sucks, but it it nails down that he's a part of this ex, you know extant story ecosystem. If if you'll forgive the weird way of putting that, uh, he's got uh, you know he's got that weapon based on Gokaiger, and it is really weird. I don't entirely understand what it's about. But, you know, that also means that our heroes do not have the Gokaiger gear. Which means that in order to embody the totality of Sentai, Kaito and the rest of them are going to have to come to some kind of terms with him, and that's gonna, that could be a fun bit of, of something. And again, as I, I leave room for differences in taste, because that boy is definitely going to be outside of a lot of people's taste, and that's not a bad thing, but it really is the fact that he is potentially additive to the plot that keeps me interested. He is, again, the most extra of extra heroes, and that puts a smile on my face, because uh, where Sono sees... Where Sono, where you see the, the mockery of Super Sentai, and I, I nearly disagree. I do not say you were wrong, because that's not how we do. Um, I see it as them trying to pay homage to Gokaiger and, and the pirate theme, outside of what Gokaiger would do. He's he's the Gilbert and Sullivan pirate instead of the 21st century Disney movie pirate. So he, he's an homage that's not bound to the original in much the same way that Kaito is an homage to Go Ranger and Jack while still being his own thing. And this is, of course, a personal take, not one I demand of others. Dear listener, uh, you, you be the judge. Not even the judge, you be your own judge. But yeah, now I'm now I'm done, and so no, you can you can come back into the room. Okay, so I we're now outside of good and bad. Yes. Um, I just have I have one other thing because I wasn't sure where to put it because I'm not sure what to make of it. Mm. It's just a thing I noticed that was weird, but the outside edge of Stacy's ear is gray. Like, the skin on the outside rim of his ear down to his earlobe, from about, like, halfway down, down to his earlobe, looks gray. Not metal. It's not like they put an ear cuff on him or anything. It looks like either makeup or post-production color correction making part of his skin gray. I don't know if it was a lighting thing. No, no. But nothing else looked gray like that i'm i'm looking at and i don't know what it means or if it means anything yes oh i'm just saying i'm looking at pictures of him and and yes it's not just a trick of the light yeah i don't know what it means i don't know if it means anything it's just weird and it's weird enough that i want it to mean something because i want to i want to see all the weird things that make stacy not quite human yeah, I agree, because it just, it, it, again, it's, it's an additive thing. We, we have this little, just, touch of something, and what does it mean? What does it do? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I know that, that, uh, some of the, the Zox stuff has sort of, of, you know, taken some of the wind out of your sails, if you'll forgive the pirate thing, but, um, I... I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what uh, what this Sentai has in store for us a uh, little little later on. Um, but uh, do we have any final thoughts, or do you think we're we're done with that one? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right then. Uh, so for all of us here at Laser Knees and the rest of the Toll Network, 
I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono. And don't get kicked by a horse in